We just had Yud Shvat, which is the Yod side of the previous Rebbe. The previous Rebbe in one of his Rishimis brings a, an incredible story that was told by his father who heard it. His father was the Rebbe Rashab. He heard it from the Rebbe Maharash on the second night of Rosh Hashanah the Rabbeim, all the Chabad Rabbis, had a custom that on the second night of Rosh Hashanah, they would tell a story, a short story, something related to the king of Russia, the Tsar. Either a, a, a story that relates to how the king is nice to his people, or how the king has to be nicer to the people, and how the soldiers of the army are very devoted to the king, Something related to kingship, to government, and this has to do because of Rosh Hashanah is a time when we coronate and appoint Hashem as our king of the universe, of the entire world. So they would talk about kings of their country. There's a deeper reason for this, but this is what used to happen every Rosh Hashanah, the second night. Not on the first night, on the second night. On the year Tov Reish Lamates, on the second night of Rosh Hashanah, the Rebbe Marash told an incredible story about three Jewish soldiers who had Mesiris Nefesh, as you'll see in a moment. There was a city called Velij. Velij is a Jewish city, and in that town was born a Jew by the name Shimon Lievin. Shimon was his first name, Lievin was his last name. He was one of those children that were taken by the Tsar's soldiers at a very young age, when he was a child. He was taken to the army. As you know that in the time of the Tzemach Tzedek, the Tsar made a very terrible decree against the Jews where every Jewish family had to give up one child from age seven or eight. They had to be taken to the Russian army and they never saw their parents again. And they had to serve in the army for 20, 25 years until they became adults. And these children weren't allowed to keep Yiddishkeit. They were allowed to daven, they were allowed to eat kosher. They made sure that they ate treif. They wanted them to become like Russians, like Goyim. They're known by the name the Kantonisten. I'm sure you heard stories about them. Many brave stories of how these Jewish children tried very hard to stay Jewish. This Shimon Lievin, who came from village, was taken by the army, by the Russian soldiers at a young age. And he served for quite a few years in the army. At first, he was stationed in an army base uh, in a place called Kronstadt. That place, Kronstadt, uh, was once visited by the Tzemach Tzedek. The Tzemach Tzedek was once invited by, by the soldiers. There were many Jewish soldiers in this army base in Kronstadt. And they asked the Tzemach Tzedek to come to them in the year Tofresh Gimel. And the Tzemach went and visited those Jewish soldiers. They, they, they spoke Yiddish, 
hadn't forgotten their Yiddish from home. And they asked the Tzimah to say a maimer for them. Tzimah told them a maimer in, in, in Yiddish. And then the Tzimah also told them that one of the things they must remember, that even though they're not able to learn Torah, and sometimes it's very hard to keep all the mitzvahs, but they have to remember one thing, that if they're asked to worship idols, if they're asked to convert to another religion, they must resist, they must say no, absolutely no. Even if the Tsar himself says to a Jewish soldier, I want you to convert to Christianity, to the Goyish religion, you must say no, even if it means that the Tsar is going to kill you. As you know, Kindalich, that in the Torah, a Jew is supposed to keep all the mitzvahs, of course, but if his life is in danger, you don't have to do the mitzvahs. The Torah says your life comes first except for three things. One is Avedizora. A Jew is not supposed to worship idols, even if his life is in danger. That means he'd rather die than worship an idol. Also, another one is murder. If a guy tells a Jew, go kill this other person, and if you don't, I will kill you, the Jew is not supposed to kill the other person. And if the guy kills him, so let it be. You're not supposed to commit murder, even if it means saving your life. And the third one is adultery. Adultery, an example for adultery is a woman who's married and she goes and marries another man. That you're not supposed to do. It's a big avera. Even if your life is in danger, you're not supposed to do it. So the Tzemach said to these soldiers, you should remember that, you know, other mitzvahs, if your life is in danger, according to the Torah, you'll to commit the avera because you have to save your life first. But if it comes to avera, the Zohar, absolutely not. Not even if the Tsar himself this Shimon Lievin was in Kronstadt at the time when the Tzemastelik visited, and he heard the... He was very young then, but he heard the Tzemastelik say his Torah, the Maimer, and uh, he still remembered it. Now, this Shimon Lievin was very, very brave. First of all, he was very strong physically, and he loved his work. He was actually part of the Russian Navy. That means these are sailors. You know that an army, when they have to fight a war, they have to fight a war in different places. They have to have uh, foot soldiers that walk into the uh, field where they have the fight and they shoot at the enemy. Then you have to have people that ride on horses. Today it's uh, vehicles like cars, special cars for the army, or tanks. And then there are people who they are supposed to fight from the sea. They go into ships and they have to sometimes attack a country through the sea, from the side of the sea, if, the, if that country is bordering on the sea. So this, uh, this Shimon Lievin, Lievin was a very, very powerful, strong and brave soldier. He was a sailor and he was part of the Russian Navy. He knew how to maneuver a ship, even in the most dangerous waters. You know, sometimes there's a storm in the sea, you know, when the soldiers are taking a riding in the ocean, and there's a big storm with lots of rain, and then the waves go wild and go very high up, and they can drown the ship. Shimon was never afraid of anything.
he would right away take the sails and he would manage to get the ship out of danger. Everybody talked about Shimon. They called him Simeon in Russian. His real name, his Jewish name was Shimon. Lievin, but they called him Simeon. In fact, he had a special name, a nickname. Simeon Badri. Badri means the powerful one, the brave one. Because he was always very brave. Now the general, one of the, the, the main general of the army, heard so much about Shimon, about Simeon, and he decided to move Simeon from Kronstadt to another place. He made him an assistant to one of the high-ranking generals in one of the most important army bases for the Navy, most important army bases for the Russian Navy in a city called Sevastopet. Sevastopet was a city that was by the, by the sea, and there there was a huge, huge float, right? A, um, an army, uh, ships right. from the Russian army, hundreds, maybe thousands of ships. And there were tens and thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of soldiers in that army base in Svastapet. That was a very important army base. And this general decided to move Shimon to this very important army base by this port city. A port means where there is a harbor, there's an ocean. And he placed him in that um, army base and said, you will be the assistant to the group, the most important general of the whole army base. And while Shimon, Simeon and Shimon was there, he was uh, very, very successful. People, he, he became more and more brave, and more and more powerful, more and more successful as they passed by. Every danger in the sea, no matter how raging and terribly dangerous it was, he was never afraid. He would immediately get into action and he would save the ship. And he was very successful at this. And as I said, that's why they called him Shimon the Powerful Man. Simeon Badri in Russian. Uh, the king Nikolai, who was the king of Russia, decided one day, the Tsar himself decided one day, Nikolai, that he wants to come and visit with all his important generals and all his important ministers, an entourage with a lot of people. He's coming to visit the famous army base in the uh, port city of Sevastopet. And um, the army base, people were supposed to prepare the army base for the Tsar's visit. And everybody was very anxious the Tsar himself is coming to visit and to observe. He wanted to see how, how good the soldiers are and how nice the place looks. So they cleaned the place and everything, and they also prepared a special show for the Tsar himself to watch together with the hundreds and thousands of people that are going to watch together with the Tsar. The brave acts of the soldiers. And who do you think was chosen to be the main actor of that show? It was Simeon Badri, as we know him as Shimon Lievin. Shimon was going to be the main show. And so when the king came to the army base, they made a big stage, 
thousands of people were sitting down and watching, and Shimon had an incredible skill. He was able to climb the mast. You know what the mast of a ship is? The big, big, tall you know, beam that goes up in, by the ship where the sails are hanging from. So it's very, very tall. He would climb dressed with all his uniform and his uh, arms and guns and knives and, and, and his backpacks, heavy, 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 heavy stuff carrying on him. He was able to climb the mast all the way to the top in seconds. It was unbelievable. Everybody was amazingly impressed. He would climb the mast with all the heavy stuff on him so quickly. And then when he got to the top, he would jump from the top of the mast into the sea. And then he would come up and swim up back onto the ship. And that was so impressive that everybody was shocked and stunned. It was amazing. People couldn't believe their eyes. Even the King Nikolai himself, he was like totally, totally uh, impressed. And when he heard that, he asked, what's his name? Who is this soldier? It's such an amazing guy. So they told him his name is Semyon Badri. So the Tsar was sure he's a Goy, he's a Christian, he is not Jewish. He didn't think even that he was Jewish. So the he told the Tsar, was so impressed with Simeon's act that he told the general, the main general of the entire Sevastopet uh, army base, he said, I want you to make a special um, show where everybody's going to come together in 12 hours from now, that means tomorrow morning, and I want to honor this sailor, this soldier, Simeon Badri, with special honors, with medals, and I want everybody to be here. I want you to prepare the entire army base for this special uh, ceremony. And so the, the Tsar went home. He went to his uh, room where he stayed near the army base. And then all the soldiers started quickly preparing the army base for tomorrow morning's special ceremony where the Tsar himself is going to come and honor this Simeon Badri with special honors. And the Tsar had asked that everybody should show up, the entire army base, the tens and thousands of soldiers, everybody should come. And they should also come with all their cannons and their horses. It should be like a whole army display where we see the power of the army and right in front of all those special people and, 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 and tens and thousands of soldiers and all the cannons and all the, the wagons and all the, the guns and all the special uh, ammunition they had. Everything should be there on display and we're going to show and the, the, the great power of our army and right there I will honor Simeon Badri in front of everyone. And so that's what they did. The whole night people worked to clean the place and to set up the place. And by the morning, very early in the morning, everything was already set up beautifully. Eight o'clock in the morning, Tsar Nikolai showed up. He was very happy, very satisfied. He was very much looking forward to give honors to this special soldier, Simeon Badri. And the king sat down on his special chair and everybody, thousands and thousands of people around, also sitting down on stages and watching. And then came this special ceremony where Simeon Battery was walking together 
with the greatest general of that army base. Together they were walking towards the Tsar. And when the Tsar saw Simeon, he got up from his chair. This is a very special honor that the king would get up from his chair and walked over to Simeon. And he stretched out his hand to shake his hand. And he said, Shalom, Shalom, <laughs> peace on you, Simeon Badri. I'm giving you five honors, five medals for what I saw you do yesterday. And I'm going to honor you with a special title. From now on, you are called General Simeon Badri. You're not just a, a soldier. You're going to be a general, General Simeon Badri. Shimon listened to the king, and then he thanked the czar. He says, thank you, your majesty, but I just want you to, infor to inform you that according to the laws of your kingdom, I'm not allowed to accept this gift from you because my name is really Shimon. I'm actually a Jew. The king, when he heard this, was so shocked. He didn't think that he was Jewish. This, the last thing in his mind, he thought, oh, Jewish, never thought about this. If that's the case, says the king, and he's quite angry now, nobody told him that he's a Jew. They should have told him in advance he's a Jew. But nobody told him. So he says, if that's the case, you're Jewish. Then he turns to Shimon and then also to all the other generals that are standing nearby. Then you are going to convert to the Christian religion. You can become a goy. And then if you do so, if you do that, I will make you the head of the entire navy of Russia. And you will have a lot of honor and glory, a lot of money. You'll be very wealthy. Shimon, instead of responding to this suggestion of the king, he says to the king, your honor, I'd like to give your honor, uh, your majesty, another moment of pleasure. I know you enjoyed so much what I did yesterday when I climbed that mast and jumped into the sea. I'd like to demonstrate before you again, one more time, what I'm capable of doing on this ship. Would you allow me to climb that mast again? Very high, high, high up and then do what I know how to do and give you the pleasure of watching me do this. And the king said, yes, go ahead and do it. And so the king sat down, Shimon ran over to the ship, climbed the mast all the way to the top. And then he cried out with a powerful voice. So everybody on the whole army base could hear Exalted king, honorable king. This has been 12 years that I have been successful in this special navy of yours. I love the navy. I love the army. But I want you to know I am first a Jew. And I'm afraid maybe I will not be able to pass the test because if I tell you that I can't do it, I'm not going to convert, then I know what's going to happen to me. They're going to torture me. And maybe when I get tortured and I'm in a lot of pain, I might give in and do the wrong thing as a Jew. I will 
Give over my neshama now to my God while I'm innocent so I don't end up doing a terrible avera of converting to Christianity. You should know that I have never eaten, eaten treif. For 12 years I've been in the army. I've never had any treif food in my mouth. And I never was machal Shabbos. And never machal Yontif. Apparently, Shimon secretly would always make sure that if there was treif meat, he would not eat it. He'd made it in a way that nobody knew that he's not eating it because it's, he's Jewish. He would just say, I don't like it. On Shabbos, he tried to find a way where he wouldn't have to work. And same thing with Yontif. He says, I never, ever ate treif in my entire 12 years. So I want you to know I'm first a Jew. And then he cried out with a powerful voice. He did something very shocking. He said, Shema Yisroel, Hashem Eloikeinu, Hashem Echod. And when he said this, he jumped from the mast into the sea went underwater, but this time he did not come back up. He actually drowned. This incredible sight made a huge impression on the king. The king was silent. Everybody, the tens and thousands of people were sitting there watching this in amazement. They were all quiet. They couldn't speak. They were speechless. They didn't know what to think. What just happened? After a few moments of silence, the Tsar got up from his seat, went back to his room where he stayed, very distraught, very disturbed. This was a very shocking scene. The Tsar told the soldiers he wants them to find the body of the holy, righteous Shimon Lievin. Of course, the Tsar did not say that. He wanted them to find the body of the soldier. Now, after three days, they searched. They sent down soldiers who knew how to go deep inside the sea and look and look and swim. And after three days, it took them three days to find the body of Shimon Lievin, the holy Shimon Lievin. In the Chavik Kadisha, from the community of Sevastopet. Chavikadisha is the, every community has a group of people that they volunteer, they do all the things that need to be done to someone who's dead. Somebody died, you have to bury him according to the Torah and wash the body and clean it and dress him up with special white clothes and then you put him in a coffin and then you bury him according to the Torah. And a Jew must be buried in a Jewish cemetery. You cannot bury a Jew in a non-Jewish cemetery. So in the Chevre Kaddisha of the city of Sevastopet, there was a Jewish community there, they heard that the army had found the body of Shimon Lievin. So they went and sent a messenger to the uh, minister, the minister of the army, to ask him that they should, he should, they should give the body of Shimon to their hands so they can bury him in a Jewish cemetery. But the minister of the army and a few other ministers 
they consulted each other and they decided they have to let the Tsar Nikolai know that he found his body and ask him what to do. The Tsar Nikolai had a galach that he asked him all his questions. So Nikolai asked his galach what to do about the body of Shimon Badri, Simeon Badri. And the galach said, the galach's name was Peter. Peter said to Nikolai, um, we should take the body of Simeon and put him in a box, in a special box, and put him in a special room and put honorary guards, like soldiers, around his coffin for three days to watch him, 24 hours a day, for, for three days. And at the end of the three days after they leave his body in the coffin there, that was a way of honoring somebody special in the army. They would have an honorary guard for three days, stand around the body, and then they would take his body and bury him in the army cemetery, which is a Christian and non-Jewish cemetery. So Nikolai ordered the people from the army, the generals, what they should do with his body. They should take him, put him in a coffin, and have an honorary guard from the navy that should watch his body for three days, and then he'll be buried in the Christian cemetery. Now, Shimon, who is a Kaddish, he's a Heilike Yid, a Yid who gave his neshama, his life for Hashem, so that he wouldn't uh, be forced to convert to, to another religion. Now, this Simeon had two friends in the army. They were also in the same army base. They were also Jewish, and they also kept it a secret, but they knew each other. They were very close friends. They also kept mitzvah secretly. When they heard and saw, when they saw what their friend Shimon had done, the Messiris Nefesh, that made a huge impression on them. And then when they heard that the Tsar had commanded that they should take his body of this holy Shimon, their good friend Shimon, they, they should take his body and bury him amongst the Christians, those who worship idols. The two friends became very sad. And they started talking to each other. What should we do? It's not right to take our friend, our chaver, Shimon, as a holy tzaddik who gave his neshama for Hashem, they should bury him amongst the goyim. So they decided they will do something secretly to save Shimon from being buried amongst the goyim. What were they going to do? They were going to go to the Christian cemetery. They're going to find a new kever from a Christian, a soldier, who was buried a few days ago. He died a few days ago and they buried him a few days ago. They pull out his body, the Goyesha body, from the cemetery. They put him in a bag. And they, these two friends, were also going to be for one night, one of the nights of the three days that they were supposed to watch the body of Shimon, they were going to be part of the honorary guards. So they were going to take the body of the guy, hide it somewhere near the building, somewhere nearby, and they were, when they're going to be honorary guards, there'd be other soldiers there, because there were 10, 15 soldiers watching the body of Shimon. They'll bring a bottle of mashke, a vodka. You know, Russians... That's their favorite drink, is vodka. Not Coca-Cola, it's vodka. So they'll say l'chaim, and they'll have a verbringen, but not a Jewish verbringen, 
a Hasidish verbringen, a Goyish verbringen, verbringen with Russians. And they'll offer the mashke, and of course they're going to love it. They can give them so much to drink till they fall asleep. And while the rest of the soldiers are sleeping, the two friends of Shimon are going to open up the coffin of Shimon, take out Shimon from the box, and then they'll grab the body of this Christian that they'd pulled out of the Goyish cemetery, and they'll put him instead in the box, then close the box and seal it off, and then take Shimon's body and sneak out and bury him secretly in the middle of the night in the Jewish cemetery. And these soldiers will sleep for hours and hours. By the time we come back, I won't say a word, everything will be normal. They'll think that Shimon is in this box, but Shimon is really not in that box. Shimon is already buried in the Jewish cemetery. It's really that Russian soldier that they, they put there instead. But this way, they'll give Shimon a Jewish burial. It worked. It was successful. When they were guards, honorary guards, they brought a big bottle of mashke, and they started pouring for all the soldiers, and the soldiers were so happy, and they drank one cup and another cup and another cup until they all fell asleep. They were so drunk. They're like throwing up and sleeping, and it was... And then the two friends of Shimon sprang into action. They opened up the coffin quickly, took out Shimon's body, and they put in the Goyesha body instead, and dragged Shimon away to the Jewish cemetery. They had a wagon prepared to ride quickly to the Jewish cemetery. They buried him in the Jewish cemetery. Great. A few months went by, two months, and the army found out what had happened. We don't know how. Somehow, the generals, the officers found out that the body that they buried with ceremony and, the, and with the honorary guards was not Shimon's body. It was a different body. And they found out that these two guys who were Jewish are the ones who switched the body around. So they took the two soldiers to put them in prison and they started torturing them. We want you to tell us where in the Jewish cemetery did you bury Shimon, Simeon, Badri? We want to know where you buried him. And they refused to tell. They tortured and tortured them. One of them died from the torture. The other soldier did not die from the torture, but at the end of the torture, they saw that they couldn't get any information out of him. They had him killed by a firing squad. So both of those Jewish soldiers died al-Kiddush Hashem, Mesiris Nefesh, because they did not want to tell where they buried their friend, the Kaddish, the Heilige Shimon, Lievin, so he would have a burial in a Jewish cemetery. This story the Rebbe Marash told, and then the Rebbe Marash said, these three Jews who had such mysterious nefesh, Shimon, who had mysterious nefesh in order not to have to convert to uh, the Christian religion, even though he was offered great honors and to become a chief general in the army, and the two friends who wanted to make sure that he has a Jewish burial and they died al Kiddush Hashem in order to make sure that he has a burial. He says, in their schos, 
The Eschus is so great, we can't even begin to understand how great the Eschus is. The Eschus is so powerful, it can protect the entire Jewish people for three generations. You know what three generations means? It's about 100 years. For the next 100 years, the Jews can be protected from all problems in the Eschus of all these, these three Jews. These three sailors. That tells us we should never have to face such a test. But you know, it tells us that if these soldiers were able to give up their lives to do the right thing, and uh, then we, we don't Messiah's nefesh doesn't mean you have to die. The Rebbe says many times, Messiah's nefesh means, Messiah's nefesh means to give up what you want. Sometimes you want something that you shouldn't want. It's not good. It's not good for you, Neshama. It's not for you, for you as a chassid. And you say, no, I'm not going to do it, even though I want it. That's called Mesir Nefesh too. And in Shemaim, by Hashem, this is so precious, so amazing. So, Kindalach, have a good vach, and look forward to the next story.